0: I am joined today by Carmen Vitali, staff writer of Buccaneers.com as we talk about some bi-week topics and take a look at the first three quarters of the season in review and try to predict what's going to happen in the last four games of the 2020 NFL season on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. Instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch it. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi, made for football watching, here on the Locked On Bucks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in Bucks Nation to today's episode of Locked on Bucks Podcast, typically a crossover Thursday episode here at the Locked on Podcast Network, but since the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are on a bye, I don't know if you were all aware of that or not, but if you weren't, they're not playing this weekend, so you can change your plans or just watch other football if you want to without any repercussions. Uh, there's no crossover host to do a show with this week, so sh- so joining me on Thursday is the great, the wonderful Carmen Vitale, staff writer over at Buccaneers.com, on Twitter at CarmenV, as well as on, on Instagram, find everything she's doing all across social media platforms and the Buccaneers home website. Carmen, thanks for joining me. Thanks for uh, saving our audience from having to listen to me drone on for 30 minutes. And how have you been? Uh, I've been good.
1: This is a little strange. Uh, bye weeks are always a little strange. And then especially when they come in December, I'm like, shouldn't I be doing something right now? No idea what day it is. No idea what time it is. There's football on because we're recording this Wednesday night. And football started at 3- 3.40. Yeah. So I'm just I'm lost in a sea of fog
0: right now yeah Wednesday afternoon football just like we all planned on and uh yeah having having a good time um to our to our new listeners thank you for joining us Carmen is a a fairly regular guest on the show we haven't had as many guest spots this season just because of schedules and everything else but Carmen is fairly regular so if you're new come on back and you'll hear her plenty of times you'll hear me as well and my co-host James Yarko who is off for this episode will be back uh for next week's episodes um, today, we're going to talk about some storylines, and we're going to talk about some of the the bigger things happening around the Buccaneers. Um, first of all, we're going to cover some news, Carmen. Jaden Mickens returning to the active roster today off of the COVID reserve list. Uh, Chappelle Russell is apparently staying with the Buccaneers as Jack Cicci has been waived. Jeremiah Ledbetter signed from the practice squad, so this isn't one of those special uh, elevations that the, the team gets because of all the COVID concerns. This is a guy who's getting signed from the practice squad to the active squad. And for Buccaneers fans, I think they should probably be a little bit excited because the last time Jeremiah Ledbetter played was against the Green Bay Packers. So maybe he's the missing link to all of the stuff that's been going on. Um, what do you make of the moves, Carmen? I mean, I know Jack Situ was one of your favorite guys at one point. What do you make of the moves and what stands out the most to you among those uh, transactions?
1: Yeah, I mean, Jack has been, uh, he's just been a joy to work with um, for the past couple of years. And that was, that one hit. Hit hard. He is actually um, off the field. He was part of our Bucks Youth Leadership Mentor Program, and we had these like small breakout groups where the mentors and mentees got to get paired up with some players in these little small groups. And Jack was in ours, um, and I know my mentee Charisma absolutely loves him. So I I don't know if he'll be able to participate still in the program. I probably doubt it. So I'm that that's a big loss for me and for the kids (laughs) because Jack loves the kids but um I don't have any um doubt that he'll end up you know on somebody else's roster very soon because he's a heck of a player um just has some struggles staying healthy obviously yeah other than that I mean Jeremiah Ledbetter he's kind of been a very reliable um reserve going back to even last year and he's very athletic and uh was able to get in on yeah some packages against the Green Bay Packers this last time so and we all know how creative that scheme was. Um, that game, there were some really funky front fronts that we had. I had a lot of fun with watching. You know, the next day, but we'll see. We'll we'll see what if if that's if there's more of that in store.
0: Devin White and Levante David, who are some of the top vote getters through some of the fan voting, and now the social media voting has started for this year's Pro Bowl. Unfortunately, it's not a, not going to be a game um, this this year, but at least they get that stature. They kind of get that. That, you know, that, uh, that stats, if you want to call it that, to their name. So that when guys like Ira, Ira Kaufman are, are talking about them after their career, trying to get them into the Hall of Fame, he, get, he gets a little bit more evidence. Um, what do you think about Devin White, though, leading the voting, you know, of all linebackers and then Levante David being on there, but maybe not being as high on there? Uh, you know, Devin White hasn't been, you know, a scrub by any means, but I think, uh, Levante David's kind of been the more stable, which would you would expect from his veteran status. He's kind of been the more stable, uh, presence there in the Buccaneers' middle of the defense, uh, slightly above Devin White. I mean, uh, being being slightly behind Levante David for devin is no is no shade uh, whatsoever but what do you feel about Devin white there leading the charge and then Levante David maybe finally getting some some national recognition?
1: Yeah, I'm hoping that that's the case I've you know I've been on this train for so long and I just posted it today on my Instagram. I was like, please vote Levante David in the Pro Bowl so I can stop telling you to vote Levante David into the pro Bowl yes yeah, um, right. <laughs> but Devin does Devin is up there. He either leads the league in tackles now, or he's like number two. Um, So he does kind of have the gaudy stats. Of course, tackles aren't, sometimes you need to take them with a grain of salt. Mm. Obviously, you know, look at his snap count, look at the defensive play count. And if the defense is on the field a lot, you're obviously going to get more tackles. But is that necessarily a good thing Um, overall as a team? But as an individual player, obviously Devin has those stats. Uh, that I would, which is kind of why I think that he is—he's up there in the Pro Bowl bo- voting. He's leading Pro Bowl voting because people are hearing his name a lot. Whereas Levante David is kind of like, again, he's a victim of his own consistency. And basically, he's making plays so that you don't hear his name. He's right. the one that's preventing plays from happening to the point where you're not hearing the guy that you know he's covering because he's shut that guy down, or you know, he's he's come in you know in the run in run support and he's got guys up front that kind of get the credit for that so i think he again is just a victim of his own success and consistency <laughs> but that doesn't mean that he's any less than deserving to no,
0: go into absolutely. the pro Bowl. <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's that's a very good point though i mean levante dave essentially set the bar so high for a middle linebacker play you know not just with the buccaneers but really across the nfl and i mean he wasn't always a middle linebacker obviously playing weak side for a while but he's been so consistent in his level of play that now when you watch him, you're kind of like, yeah, it's just, that's Levante. It's just what Levante does. So people maybe kind of take it for, for granted. Um, but you know that Devin White is truly getting some love out there because he's a W. So he's all the way down that list. People got to look for him to click his name for the voting. Uh, a guy that they don't have to do that with is Alex Kappa. And <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, I, I love Alex. You know, I've, I've gotten to inter- interact with him just a couple of times, really not as much as some of the other players. Um, but my interactions with him have always been great. He's always a good effort guy in practice. And again, another guy, you really don't hear his name that much, which is a good thing, especially when you're an offensive lineman. Um, but he's getting some votes. And, and, you know, it's been attributed in large part possibly to the fact that his name starts with a C. Um, and it's brought into question every year we have this conversation, right? Does the Pro Bowl really matter the way that maybe it once did? What, what are your opinions on as far as, you know, I think all pro is definitely, you know, uh, weighted heavier than Pro Bowl berths are or you know, uh, appearances are, but what is, what is your opinion? Does a pro bowl still bring value, especially when you're talking about the totality of a career and like hall of fame, you know, nominations, does a pro bowl, pro bowl still carry a lot of weight for you? Or do you think it's kind of starting to get watered down because of some of the fan influence, because some of the name recognition getting you in the game versus anything. And I mean, now, I mean, again, I mean, if, if I'm wrong, you know, I would love to be corrected, but Alex Kappa being one of the top guards in this game, probably not there yet even though he definitely has some potential and has, has done pretty well for him, for himself.
1: Well, you don't have to preach to me about preferential treatment for people whose last names start at the beginning of the alphabet, because I always had to wait growing up <laughs> being a B, So I, I'm a little salty for people that have last names that start the, or begin the alphabet. But I do think, especially with Kappa, just to, before I answer the pro bowling, the pro bowl question, really, I mean, he did, completely changed his body this offseason. He has taken just immense strides at that guard position. Um he's a little bit bigger, I feel like, than most even at that position. And he's done his job just so well. Like you said, like you don't want to hear offensive linemen names either. So you don't hear Alex Kappa's name. He doesn't have penalties. Like he's just sit he's in there and he's doing his job. And I do think that a lot of people like it gives you so many votes when you vote on Pro Bowl. And I feel like people want to use up all those votes. So yeah, they might just be like, oh, hey. But it does, I also think that he's, you know, deserving. At the same time, I do think that, so fan voting only accounts are a third of right. the selection. So I do think that it still carries weight, especially when you consider that two thirds of the people that are voting for you are either your peers or coaches, you know, personnel in this league that are watching you. Um, And it does come back around to make cases for Hall of Fame, you know, inductions. You do like, that's one of the things that you look at is how many Pro Bowls this guy has been selected to. All Pro, I absolutely think has a little bit more merit, but I don't think that necessarily the Pro Bowl has been that watered down just because of, you know, we're seeing a lot more of the fan engagement because of course now with social media, you can kind of keep track of it in real time where you, you just see it all over your feed but it doesn't count for any more than it ever did. So you're seeing it more, but that doesn't mean that, you know, it's actually counting for more.
0: Yeah. I mean, just like a lot of other things in our society today, social media might make a few things look or feel a little bit bigger than they actually are in the grand scheme of things. And yeah, I mean, I think Pro Bowl, it's it's still got its place and it's still got its validity to it and, you know, uh, as watered down as some people think the process is, you know, again, I mean, if Alex Kappa makes it into or onto the final Pro Bowl list uh, roster, then, it's because there are two-thirds of another population that selected him to do that. So that means he's obviously much more deserving uh, than I think people are giving him credit for right now. Yep, absolutely. Uh, And Carmen, we're going to get into a little bit more about what's going on with the Buccaneers and the roster. We don't have a game to talk about until next week, until next Sunday, week 14, as, as the Minnesota Vikings travel to Florida to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, we're going to continue to push through. We're going to continue on the Locked On Bucks podcast to bring five episodes per week. And helping us do that is one of our sponsors, one of our favorite sponsors, Built Bar, who has a new product called Built Go, which is going to make you the best at whatever you do and help you break through your walls. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it every day with Built Go. Built Go comes in easy to carry one and a half ounce packages. It's like a five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural. So it's better for your body. Built Go comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint. And how does it work so well, you ask? It works because it combines energy gel with collagen protein, which is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system quick, and it's easy on your stomach. It's got B6, and it's got B12. It's got 10,000%, in fact, of your daily percentage recommended intake, which is a good thing in this case. All you have to do is visit BuiltGo.com, use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go second segment of the Lockdown Bucks podcast with Carmen Vitale, Buccaneers.com staff writer, coming up. Back here now on Bi-Week Thursday, so no crossover. Carmen Vitale, Buccaneers.com staff writer on Twitter, at V joining me, David Harrison, Tampa Bay Buccaneers writer, staff writer for SB Nation, <laughs> com, and of course, one of the hosts here at the Lockdown Bucks podcast, James Jarko, my usual co-host, off for today's episode. Actually, off for the rest of the week as next or next, next episode Friday, I will have Gary Myers, uh, the host, a longtime sports journalist and host of the GOAT, Tom Brady, a podcast where he is releasing week to week incremental in, uh, interviews that he's had from guys like Tom Brady. Of course, uh, Peyton Manning among them, some college stuff about Tom Brady, really an in-depth look at the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, really great material. We'll dive into that on Friday, but today we're talking Buccaneers today and Carmen, we're looking at the final stretch of this season. The Buccaneers come into it seven and five, matching their win total from 2019 already with four games left to go. So really anything they have here is an improvement in the stats, in the standings rather uh, over 2019. But who on this team do you identify as still having something to show in the regular season? We all know in the postseason, some guys kind of find that extra gear. I look at a guy like Mike Evans, and I feel like if he gets into postseason football, you're going to see a whole other level of Mike Evans. But who do you think in these next four games on this Buccaneers roster still has something to show you know, we'll call it the fans, but really just his teammates himself, the coaches.
1: Well, that's a tough one. Um, I think that y- you look into the backfield uh, a little bit on offense and you look at Ronald Jones has had some really awesome games. And then there's been games where the Bucks are on the ball. And whether that's a symptom of obviously the scheme and them getting behind and all that kind of stuff, um, or it's, you know, Ronald's just not having, Rojo's not having the luck that day. He's not hot that day. Um, I think between him and then Leonard Fournette, you're still kind of wondering, you know, how that's all working out. I feel like it's a game by game thing. And so I think that'll probably continue for the rest of the season. If someone else does, if one of them runs away with it into the postseason, that'll be interesting to me. Um, I want to see Mike Evans so badly in the postseason. Oh my God. I can't even imagine the extra gear that he would have and he's never done it. So I want it for him so bad. And even and Levante David, I want that for him so bad. <laughs> There's so many guys on this roster where I want postseason football for them so bad. Chris Godwin too. Um, he's battled through you know his health issues and stuff, and yeah, I'd just be very interested to see how this offense utilized him in some playoff
0: games in playoff football. Yeah, very exciting prospect to consider. I mean, uh, I've been covering this team now for six years. Never have I had to work in January. Which I mean, well, I'm still working, just never had a game to cover. Um, so that would be <laughs> uh, that would be a nice change of pace. I'm sure that Mike Evans would much rather be playing football in January than playing Fortnite in January. So moving on to the coaching staff, and there's been a lot of talks about the coaching staff. James and I each had a solo episode where a large portion of our conversation uh, was, was centered around the coaching staff and just kind of how we perceive things versus how the, I don't want to say the greater part of the Bucks fan base, but there is a, a definitely a loud part of the Buccaneers fan base, not very happy. Um, but then I listened to the Move the Sticks podcast, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, two guys who've been in and around the business for a very long time, very smart uh, guys. They know how to scout, not just players and personnel, but they know how to scout coaches. And they talked about... The qualities, the characteristics that you need to be a successful head coach in the National Football League, and for Daniel Jeremiah specifically, he mentioned leadership, the ability to be a teacher, and being authentic. Um, I think in, in in many ways, Bruce Arians fits the mold on all three of those things, right? He's he's obviously got the leadership mentality. Uh, he's obviously a teacher, something that he preached and his coaching staff preached when they got hired last year. And then the authenticity—I mean, players from you know Carson Palmer, Peyton Manning, Tyron Matthew, every player that's ever played for Coach Arians will tell you that you're going to get. Uh, the straight shot from coach Arians, whether you like it or not, to be honest with you. But the question I want to ask you working in the building, working around him, which of those three characteristics, leadership, uh, being a teacher and being authentic, do you think is his biggest asset for this team?
1: I think it's teaching because I think that coaching begins and ends with teaching. Um, and something that I was a little bit naive to is how much coaches have to coach other coaches or teach other coaches rather. Um, And that's something that I really, I I guess I took for granted. I was like, well, if you're on his staff, then you should know, you know, backwards and forwards inside the scheme, whatever. But it's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. You have, obviously, you're fitting different people into your scheme. And so how that works out results in some teachable moments. And so you do all have to be on the same page. And you are only as good as how well you can teach your coaches, who then in turn teach your players. It's like this crazy game of telephone. Uh, that I never really sat back and looked at or sat back and thought about until I saw it. Um, And I think that the coordinators do a very good job, you know, of disseminating that down, whether it's offensive or defensive. And I really appreciate that Bruce has come in just prioritizing teaching. And that is, you know, the cornerstone of everything he does. And you've seen it with his system. And I know that obviously Bucks fans are a little bit frustrated with some of the things you you don't see some of the things clicking right away it just there's no substitute for time in this case and bruce has a track record of if you go back to his other stops this is i mean there's a graphic on last game i think that the, the tv put up or i saw it online about you know first year quarterbacks under bruce and you know some of them get struggling with a little bit of the turnovers and all that other stuff and we just figured out that tom brady isn't immune to that but if you progress that narrative and you progress that graphic into year two, you see some of the best numbers of any of these quarterbacks careers. I mean, he absolutely revitalized Carson Palmer's career, uh, especially in that second year. So I think that it's just, it's taking time. And I think that we all thought maybe that Tom Brady was immune to that. And I guess he's not, and that's okay. It's still an entirely new system from something, and something completely different than what he was used to the last two decades, but I, because Bruce, you know, stresses teaching so much, everybody's going to get there because they are such good teachers.
0: Uh, speaking of what you're kind of talking about, John Ledyard, a Pew Report actually shared on Wednesday. He kind of did a, a graph. He had a, a, a comparative of a lot of these quarterbacks from Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Jameis Winston was on there, you know, Carson Palmer, you talked about, and their numbers under Bruce Arians in the first year. And, and, like you said, a lot of them had a little bit of a down year compared to some of their bigger years. But Tom Brady, actually, of the bunch, really was still one of the top, uh, maybe the top quarterback in that group who had a down "quote unquote" first year. Uh, so, still kind of showing that goat status, even among above his peers uh, in that category. And then, of course, you know the team hopefully will, will make it to the playoffs. I think the fact that the Super Bowl is in Tampa this year, Carmen, maybe on a, on maybe a subconscious level, actually is adding a little bit more pressure to the fan base because they would love to be the first franchise to play and host a Super Bowl uh, in the same season.
1: Absolutely, I think that that kind of entered into it whether subconsciously or consciously and I do kind of just want to caution against even saying down years because even for the quarterbacks right. that like Carson Palmer he still put up numbers yeah Tom is still putting up numbers it was the turnovers that you know and the and the interceptions in particular that were the issue in that first year as you get used to your option routes what each receiver is about to do your receiver is getting on the same page with you and the timing and all that kind of stuff but at the same time, I mean, Brady is like, he's got his most touchdowns since I think like 2017 or he's on pace for that. Um, He has his, I think he's, he's fourth ranked fourth in passing yards right now in the NFL. So like this is by no stretch of the imagination, a down year. It's just, he happens to have more interceptions and he's, you know, he's on pace to rather. Right. Um, But it's very, it's very interesting. And I do think that, yeah every time you know you see this team kind of go all in with all of these players between Brady and Gronk and bringing Leonard Fournette and Sean McCoy and Antonio Brown all these guys and I think that you know that you know the ultimate goal is here in Tampa and something that's never been done before and of course everyone kind of thinks about that but just because it doesn't happen this year doesn't mean it can't happen next year
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly And, and hey this year's not over. And that's kind of something I mentioned earlier in this season. Like it's, it's December, or early in this week rather, it's December. Uh, the Super Bowl hasn't been played yet. So we don't know who's going to mm-hmm. win, who's not going to win. So it ain't over until it's over. But yeah, I mean, only one out of 32 teams wins the Super Bowl every year. It's a really hard thing uh, to do. <laughs> and, and to some of your points, I mean, I was having a conversation with one of our loyal listeners who messages uh, me personally. I think he messages James as well quite often, actually. He's, he's a good dude. Um, and we said, and I, and I acknowledged him, I said, listen, when you're a Buccaneers fan, especially a dedicated Buccaneers fan for for years and years and decades and decades, anytime you see the team underperforming, you immediately go to that place. Like as a Buccaneers fan, you immediately go to that bad place because your team is underperforming. And this team is absolutely underperforming. They, they admit it themselves. Bruce will admit it. Tom will admit it. They're all going to say that we are underperforming, but they're underperforming with the exact same amount of wins they had a year ago with four games left to play. So there's still improvement even though they're under improving or underperforming. So it's important to kind of find that balance, I think. Um, well, and look- I think to take it
1: one step further too, is that all you need to do is make it to the postseason and then the season resets. Exactly. It starts over. Like anything can happen at that point, especially in the climate where, I mean, I think that there was something to be said about home field advantage, obviously in the playoffs, but does that mean as much anymore yeah. when you're not going to be able to pack stadiums and you're not actually really going to be able to have that fan element to it beyond a 25 percent capacity or whatever it is that they end up doing so just make it to the postseason and then you know anything can happen from there
0: <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a whole different ball game everybody's zero and zero it doesn't matter if the the Pittsburgh Steelers go into a 16 and zero. It, it doesn't matter once the playoffs start and uh Bruce Arians knows that better than 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 most I mean his his Pittsburgh Steelers were a wild card team when they won their their Super Bowl there in Arizona that you were on hand to witness so um, I was on
1: hand to witness and it was at the time I was not happy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how things uh, come full circle there in that world though. Um, Isn't it? Yeah. All right, guys, we got one more segment coming up with Carmen Vitali, staff writer over at Buccaneers.com on Twitter at Carmy V here at the Lockdown Bucks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, and back now. David Harrison here on the On Bucks podcast, joined by Carmen Vitale, staff writer Buccaneers.com, on Twitter and Instagram at V. Go ahead and check that out. After you listen to this episode, well, if it's before 10 o'clock, head over to Instagram and check out what Carmen's got going on. If it's after 10 o'clock, uh, just continue listening to this because you already missed it. And Carmen, it's the bye week, so I want to do kind of a review. We're not mid-season, right, but we're three-quarters of the way through the year, so let's, let's hit on the offense, and you can kind of prepare for the defense as we go through because I'm going to ask you the exact same questions. Uh, what is your biggest surprise so far, from this offense, uh, three quarters of the way through the season.
1: Oh gosh. Um, yeah, that's really tough. I I mean, I do think that there's some element of, yeah, you have all these weapons, and so not putting up the numbers or the points, rather. That's really tough. I think the biggest surprise is how they're using Mike. Because I've noticed it a lot this year, especially that I mean, usually he's kind of known as that outside X receiver you know, one-on-one or double him up. But he's going down the sideline and he's going to make those contested catches and he's going to burn you. Uh, but I've seen a lot more of him in the slot. I've seen him running a lot more intermediate routes. I've seen him, you know, and we saw him muscle his way into the, t- into the end zone from eight yards out with oh, like yeah. two or three defenders draped all over him. And Mike was never known as like that yards after the catch type guy. Right. Um, But I think that he's kind of coming into that just given the way that they're using him and they're like, they're kind of bridging the gap between how they used Mike and how they use Chris uh, in these, at least that's from what I've seen. And I thought that that was very interesting. So I don't know if it's like a surprise necessarily, but it's something that I wasn't expecting for sure um, to to see him kind of widen his skill set at this point in his career, which all the more power to him at this point. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know in past seasons people have been kind of wondering why is it Mike Evans being used more in the red zone, especially on some of those fade routes, and you're seeing some of those this year. Why isn't he, you know, getting the broken tackles and the yards after catching? you're seeing that a little bit this year. So, yeah, I mean, I know you know there's no cheering in the press box, but I have I have to imagine that when Mike Evans carried two defenders in the end zone, there may not have been any <laughs> cheering, but there was at least some reactions. I mean, there uh, we've we've been there. I've I've been there. You've been there, obviously more than I have, but. There are there are times in a game where you won't call it cheering, but there's a reaction. It's just kind of a, a an instinctual reaction you have to play Yeah,
1: there's a reaction. My uh, my go to is like I stop my feet usually because <laughs> um, I don't want to audibly say anything. Right, right. But yeah, like I like squeeze my hands together and I stop my feet, and I probably look ridiculous when I do it, but I'm trying to not like be obnoxious. about <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, No, but I mean, Hey, it's, 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 the, it's the uh, competition. I mean, it's, it's a, it's an emotional game. I remember, I can't remember the exact play to be quite honest with you, but I remember there was a play the last time I was in Tampa and it happened. I looked at Bailey Adams who was sitting next to me and we both kind of smiled or whatever, cause it was just a really good football play. And I looked over my left shoulder and, and Greg Almond's looking just down in my direction. Um And he kind of, he kind of smiles and raises his eyebrows. I'm like, ah, even Greg Almond has emotional reactions during the game. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, I mean,
1: you're not immune to what you're seeing no matter exactly. what team you're you're rooting for. for so
0: yeah, exactly. Um, and then for the offense uh, player to watch and just for, for fairness sake, I'm taking Tom Brady off the board because most, most important <laughs> position got it. We're also going to take Donovan Smith off the board because he's most important offensive lineman, right? Left tackle side protector, all that stuff. So we're going to take Donovan. We're going to take Tom Brady off the board. Who's your player to watch for these final four weeks on offense?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, I want to, I mean, I'll go Gronk because oh, like do. he's, he's really coming into his own. I feel like we're starting to see, I feel like I'm tweeting more and more like huge Gronk, like every game. <laughs> and we're seeing him kind of make the plays that we were used to seeing him make, um, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, and he, I mean, this, this last game he had his first hundred yard game as a Buccaneer. And so I think that that relationship only grows. He said like in the last four weeks, but then fingers crossed knock on all the wood you get into the postseason that's where you know Gronk has done some really awesome things in the postseason too so Gronk and Brady together um so yeah I want I would I would watch him or like the offensive line just watch Tristan I'm like I know you took Donovan off the table but watch Tristan I love that man he's just he's doing so well and I'm just I'm so blown away I really am
0: yeah he's been a great addition I think he's been better than anybody really could have expected or predicted and then yeah, I mean, Gronk, if he hasn't fully found his groove back or gotten his groove back, he's he's definitely close. And uh, if, there's, if there's even better days for Gronk in, the, in this version that we're seeing uh, to come in December, January, then I think the Buccaneers are in pretty good shape. Uh, looking over to the defense now, what's been your biggest surprise on the defense this year?
1: Just Vita Vea getting injured count.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, look, awful. I mean, he's, he's been a guy that, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, I really love Vita. I don't want to say he was taken for granted, but I don't think – I don't think people really understood just how big of an impact losing him was going to make. Um, Even though I think everybody would have put it on like a seven and a seven and a half and have a 10 scale, but really, I mean, it's been like a nine, maybe even a nine and a half.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because I just don't think people really realized how much he allows you to do or like schematically and what having him on the field opens up so many more opportunities for so many people. Like we talk about how, him and Sue on the interior opened up opportunities for the guys on the edge, like Shaq, like JPP, especially last year. You saw that with Shaq. Um, And even JPP, the last half of the year, once he came back. Um, But beyond that, which is what I don't think people realize, is you also have to look at the level behind them. You look at Levante David and you look at Devin White. And with him on the field in the beginning of this season, you were seeing some very creative things Mm -hmm. out of the way that this defense was using these middle linebackers. And now you've seen them basically having to account, have help account for Vita's loss. And so you can don't get as much creativity out of them. You don't get as many exotic, you know, blitzes. You don't get it as many, you know, just coverage look like it just, it doesn't look the same. And it's all because of the fact that Vita's out. And that's not a discredit to Nacho. That's not a discredit for Steve McClendon who have filled in very well, but, Vita is just one of those irreplaceable guys because he is the rare combination of size and strength and speed and agility that just doesn't happen very often. So it opens up so much for the rest of the
0: defense and that just, it's, 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 it's sad. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good point. that brings up something I kind of was thinking about earlier today. Um, I can't remember who it was. I heard say it, but it, uh, it was on a, it was on a show. I want to say it was on good morning football. Actually. I think it might've been, he's a Philadelphia Eagles. Great. I'm completely forgetting his name. And I apologize to him, although he's not gonna hear this. Um, (laughs) <laughs> and he said, you know, on the defense, I always say you have to if you're going to play man coverage and be aggressive in your pass rush, you have to be able to cover in order to rush. You have to be able to rush in order to, to play man coverage. Yes. And the Buccaneers want to do that. Todd Bowles wants to do that. But when you lost Vita Veya, and I know there was some zone coverage. I think, you know, people were frustrated against the Chargers. They saw a little bit of softer coverage. But I think that was kind of sp- sparked by some of the big ball, some of the big passes that uh, Herbert was able to hit against that defense. But then when you saw the loss of Vita Vey, I think that's really why we're seeing what we're seeing, because you know, and, and I've been one of the ones when people are talking about Shaq Barrett and why does he have more sacks? And we, and I kind of point to all the pressures he has. And I think there's validity right. to that, that the pressures still matter. But I think also, especially when you're talking about an NFL quarterback, especially when you're looking at a guy like Pat Mahomes, you get, I think they got what seven hits on Patrick Mahomes uh, last week, right? Yeah. Which is a, a really solid amount of hits against an opposing quarterback. But when you're getting the hits against a guy like Patrick Mahomes, eventually what he's going to realize is that you may get the hit, but you're not getting the sack. And For those first two, three pressures, maybe you knock him off balance a little bit. But then the four, fifth, sixth pressure, and and so on and so on, or so forth, when you're not getting home and he knows you're not getting home, some of that pressure from those those previous pressures, (laughs) using the word pressure a lot, some of the accumulated (laughs) pressure kind kind of releases a little bit, if that makes sense, I think. And I think that's really kind of where we're seeing the impact of Vita Vea is as much as they're hitting the opposing quarterbacks, these opposing quarterbacks know that they're just getting hit. They're not taking those sacks, which is a much bigger repercussion on their offense, and it's almost giving them a little bit more confidence as they realize that they're going to get enough time to, yes, take the hit, but still deliver the ball.
1: Yeah, and I think that what you saw Vita start doing even more this year, or or where you saw his game progress, was that interior pressure that he was able to generate. Um, He had had a couple of sacks before he went out. You know, Sue had a couple of sacks. I think he's surpassed his total from last year already. Um, And you saw that interior pressure kind of start and that's what led to all the sacks that these guys have been getting. Now, that being said, the Bucks are still like third, ranked third or fourth in sacks um, across the league. And uh, they just seem to come in bunches, but you've definitely had right. to get a little bit more creative in how you bring that. I think that's why we've been seeing a little bit more of the blitzing secondary players um, between safeties, and we've even seen some nickel and corner blitzes. Um, but then of course that takes them out of coverage and you can't always do that. But that's a good point that you brought up about, you know, you have to get home in order to not put as much stress on your cover guys. And I think that that's a big piece of, you know, having to play man versus zone, all that kind of stuff. You, you need to be able to rely on the blitz to take a guy, man, you know, man to man. And so far um, it's been inconsistent, not, It has not been there. Like I said, the Bucs have been getting sacks, but it seems like, especially with a guy like Mahomes, I mean, he came in as one of the least sacked quarterbacks in the league because he's just so mobile and he can escape things. And like, like witnessing him, that was my first time watching him in person. And it's just like, getting to watch all of it happen in real time. You think the play is over. You're like, this play is over. It's over. It's 100. Oh, it's not over. (laughs) And then something ridiculous happens and you're just like, how... In the world, are you supposed to? You can't like it's just it's outrageous. I mean, the coach said they were gonna have to the his, the cover guys are gonna have to plaster their man, and they tried. But you think that your dude's out of it, and all of a sudden he's just not because Pat is throwing some sidearm pass, or he's yeah. trying to receive a pass from Travis Kelsey at the goal line, which the Bucks stopped to their credit. I was very impressed. I didn't think thing. they knew they were gonna have to plaster to the quarterback. <laughs>
0: But I mean, but you're 100% right. And I mean, I, I look at Devin White and everybody talks about his athleticism. And I mean, uh, you know, obviously leading up to through the draft process, watched a lot of LSU games and, and videos on, on what he was doing. And then you go to the combine and you see the workouts there on the on the screens and everything. And you see, and you're like, oh, man, that's a super athletic guy. And then you get to training camp and you really see it and you go, whoa, that's a that's a whole other level of athleticism. And I mean, again, I've told the story on this show several times where Mark Cook and I uh, we're sitting on the sideline. Next thing you know, we've got a screaming, literally screaming Devin White running straight for us. Um, I've never done a backward somersault so fast in my life. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a whole new level. And I can only imagine seeing Pat Mahomes uh, or Patrick Mahomes, sorry, in in person and, and what that looks like. So yeah, I think, I think a it's, little bit of credit is definitely due there.
1: Oh, a lot. Um, yeah. But I will say uh, you're on the subject of Devin White. We just released the mic up from this last game <laughs> he literally like looks at cheetah at tyreek hill and goes yeah i'm fast too i ran a (laughs) 4-1 Just like he had some gems in that one too him and kelsey had a really funny exchange as well so if you haven't checked that out you you should
0: definitely go and save that video uh finally carmen again last four games of the season we got the vikings uh you got the falcons twice and the falcons doing pretty well under raheem morris and then uh, you got the detroit lions so seven and five coming to the final four stretch 11 and five is, is still in the cards, 10 and six. Some people maybe feel more uh, comfortable, comfortable there, nine and seven. I think you're really going to start seeing some angry bucks fans. How do you think the, the team pulls through the final four weeks? What do you think the final, final standing is going to look like?
1: Well, that was my big thing from this last game. Um, ideally. Yeah. You would have wanted to win the Rams game, but like I never circled the chiefs game as a win. Like right. <laughs> I was like, that was one of the games where I was like, yeah, that might not happen. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I wasn't panicked at all, and I think that the way the Bucs came back was obviously very encouraging, especially given the fact this was the number one scoring offense, and you were able to stop the bleeding and then climb back in it a little bit, only losing by a field goal. So that was really encouraging to me, um, that whole fighting back through adversity. And I think that it's been kind of the trend of each individual game where the Bucks have made these comebacks and have like done really well down the stretch in the second half. So now I'm like, well, can we widen that? And can that be the metaphor for the season? (laughs) And if that's the case, then this last quarter of it, they're going to be, we should start seeing some good things. And I think that you have opportunities, although Atlanta is doing well under Raheem. Um, And I think that either way, even if they weren't being a division opponent, even if they've got nothing to play for, they're still going to try and play us tough Um, because that's what, you know, these teams do. And so we'll see. I think that, you know, getting back after the bye, but still being home is going to be pretty clutch. Uh, but again, there's an opportunity there. I don't want to dismiss the Vikings. Um, I don't want to dismiss the Lions at this point because, like, when you fire your head coach and your GM, sometimes, like, that catalyzes a locker room or galvanizes a locker room, rather, uh, to start playing for each other a little bit more. And you never know what happens in those. Those are all wild card situations. So, I don't take anything for granted here, but that being said, the Bucks like could conceivably just get like two more wins and be fine. The last time we went to the playoffs, they were nine seven for the record. So,
0: yeah, I mean, especially with that extra extra team in the playoffs, I mean, anything can happen. And every week, there's other teams out there with the possibility of losing as well. So, you know, obviously, you'd rather see them finish strong and win their way into the postseason. But hey, like you said, and 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 honestly, Coach Arian said it too. You just got to get to January. You know what I mean? If you get to January. And like you said, everything resets and everybody gets re-energized and all of a sudden uh, the aches and pains don't hurt as much as they usually do in January because you've got a, a big, shiny, silver football to, to play for. But Carmen, as we finish up the bye week, uh, what, what can, uh, can Bucs fans go over to Buccaneers.com and, and look for? Well, we've got some of the
1: you know kind of standard stuff that doesn't have to do with uh, games coming up. And I know that Scott just did a good data crunch um, today or yesterday. So yeah, we're we're working through it, but hey, we're tired too. So <laughs> I'm taking a little like I'm not as active on social media this week. I have to I'm moving right now. So uh, yeah, you might just just enjoy not having to hear see my tweets and hear my voice all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean it's it's a bye week for a reason. Everybody wants to take a little bit of me of a knee, and of course, uh, a lot of Buccaneers players were sharing. I know the Buccaneers Buccaneers social media team was sharing some of the my cleat my cause causes that these players uh were supporting and and, uh while the rest of the nfl is participating in week 13 buccaneers are going to be participating in week 14 i believe right Um, yes so
1: the the viking the home vikings game they will show off their my cause my cleats um i did have one article just the launch article come out today and then um we are gonna have some features kind of rolling out highlighting some of these causes and some of the guys so super pumped about that because this is always a cool thing that these guys do
0: absolutely very nice and i know those cleats will start getting revealed probably not this week because the game is a week away so probably probably what mid 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 next week or so is is when the cleats will probably start getting unveiled
1: yeah they're gonna they're gonna start trickling out here in a couple of days so you'll see and you'll see some some videos and like features and it's been in the works for a little bit, but yeah, it's just a little weird because the Bucs are going to debut their cleats on the field a week later than most. So yes, but it's not, they have, I think more participation this year than ever before, which is really great. So yeah, it's always
0: great to see these players using their platform, their opportunities to help others as so many of them like to, especially in the Buccaneers organization. I don't, I don't know the data, but I would, I would say that the Buccaneers are definitely competing with any other NFL franchise to having the most amount of players who are out there doing good for the community um all well
1: possibly. and to that to that credit i have to credit our one of our girls who works in community relations one of my very good friends sarah evans uh she has spearheaded this program and gotten these guys involved for the last few years and it's only grown under her direction and so she puts her heart and soul in this and she deserves a major major shout out so shout out sarah because <laughs> these guys would not this would not happen without her efforts
0: believe me Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Shout out to Sarah then. So good job, Sarah and Carmen. Tell her to listen to the show so she can hear her, her shout out at the end. There. <laughs> I will. I oh,
1: absolutely
0: will. Uh, but guys, we're going to get out of here. That's been Carmen Vitali, staff Rider over Buccaneers.com on social media, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you have at v. Uh, V. I, of course, am David Harrison, one of your normal hosts here at the Locked On Bucks podcast on Twitter at DHarrison82. Find the show at Locked On Bucks. Again, come back tomorrow. I will have Gary Myers, veteran decades decades of covering uh the nfl and of course tom brady's got a whole lot of insight into tom brady's past present and hopefully future coming up here at the lots on bucks podcast so we talk again if you're out and about please be safe be good to one another wash your hands and thank you so much for joining me right here